Good evening. A little bit excited tonight. You know, I, I just, uh, I have this tendency to get excited when I get to do this. And sometimes I, I you know, when I think about it, it's like, wow. I mean, you know, I remember the days when, you know, this was the last place I wanted to be. And uh, although I, I will admit I knew then and there that the Lord had a plan, but I was having fun. And after all, that's the most important thing, right? So, but uh, prayer changes things. Grandma and mom and dad and my five sisters all praying that I'll be glad when this boy gets his life together. Because the way he's going now, man, he, he, I don't know. He might not get his uh, three score and ten. And now I've got four score and ten. So praise the Lord. So uh, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for this day that you have made. And I pray that we will continue to rejoice and be glad in it. Lord, we're so grateful for uh, our sister, Father, how she just uh, sent up that incense to you, Father. And, and we know that it's, it's a great aroma even now. And we pray also, Father, that as you use this vessel, that your word would be rightly divided and that we would not add or take anything away from your word. So I just thank you again for this opportunity uh, to fellowship, to share with my sisters and brothers in Christ. And I pray, Father, that each and every one of us would leave here knowing more about the love of God than when we walked in. So I thank you for this opportunity again. And may you receive the blessings of all that's done and said here tonight. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Okay, finally, I'm going back to Daniel, the book of Daniel. It's been a while. I'll be honest with you guys. It's going to sound kind of weird, but I've been avoiding it because the Lord has put other things on my heart, either in Proverbs or Psalms. A few weeks ago, it was about idols, idols. And then the following week or soon after, it was obedience. And those were the things that he wanted me to talk on at that time. So, so tonight, Lord willing, we're going to uh, finish up the end of Daniel chapter 9. And then we're going to uh, start uh, Daniel chapter 10. So if you uh, you're bear with me, um, one of the things that, uh, that I, well, several things that I saw that I, I thought we had to we need to, or should, go back and readdress in Daniel chapter 9. So I'm going to do that. I'm going to do 9. I'm going to start at uh, verse uh, 22. Daniel chapter 9, verse 22 is where we're going to start. It may seem like a strange beginning, but there's a reason for this. And hopefully by the time we're done, you'll realize that. So Daniel 9, 22. Daniel 9, 22 says, The man Gabriel is an angel who appeared in human form. The time was about 3 p.m. at the hour of evening sacrifice at Jerusalem. And uh, in this case, uh, Daniel informed me and talked with me and said, Oh, Daniel, I have now come forth to give you skill to understand. 23, at the beginning of your supplication, the command went out, and I have come to tell you, for you are greatly beloved. Therefore, consider the matter and understand the vision. And Daniel got an immediate answer to his prayer. And you're going to see as we go into 10 that that may not necessarily be the case. Gabriel said that the moment Daniel began to pray, he was sent to, to answer his prayer. Isaiah 65, 24 says, It shall come to pass that before they call, I will answer, and while they are still speaking, I will hear. Daniel will be given skill and understanding in reference to God's future for Israel in the midst of the times of the Gentiles. Ephesians 1, 6, To the praise of the glory of his grace by which he has made us accepted in the beloved. And the reason that we started here as we go into... Uh, Chapter, the beginning of chapter 10, we will see where the prayers were not answered immediately. God delayed them for a reason, and we'll, we'll see that before we finish tonight, Lord willing. And it's just so important that we understand God's timing, at least try. 
you know, I've been praying for this for so long. God hasn't answered my prayer. How do you know? Because in order for you to say that, that means you know God's will. You know, he should have answered with a, okay, I will spare you the loss of a relative. I will spare you the loss of uh, finances. I will spare you the loss of your health or your well-being. So by saying that, you're coming up with this preconceived notion of what, how God should answer your prayer. And there's, uh, there's several problems with that. The first one is when we pray for healing, when we pray for health, when we pray for protection, what does that look like? You and I can only imagine that from a human perspective. Uh, one example that I, I, I used last time we were here together is um, a lady that we know, her, her nephew was in a motorcycle accident. Major brain damage, a lot of break, uh, broken bones, whatever. And so she went to a pastor, in her words, of a megachurch and had him pray for her nephew. The nephew died. She didn't understand. She said he prayed for healing and protection and God didn't honor that. So that way God didn't answer my prayer. Now, the problem that I had with that statement was you pray for healing and protection. He went to be home with the Lord. Where do you go up from there? That's healing. That's protection. No more pain. No more whatever they, tubes or whatever they do to you. No more of that. Yet still she was grieved because the Lord did not answer her prayer. And not only that, even more so because a man of God prayed for her nephew. So there's no way that can go wrong. He's a man of God. So when he prays for something, you can lock it in. Not true. Not true. But just to see that mindset, because I know there's more than one person out there who's experienced this. I know there's more than one person who's reacted to that. There's no question about it. So those types of things are really very difficult to get someone to understand if they don't have a a heart for the true and living God. If they don't put enough time into the word to learn God's heart, if they don't put enough time into the word to know that he loves us no matter what. So no matter what he's doing, no matter how big the trial is that we think he's doing something. And the other thing that I, I feel compelled to mention, it's not always about that central character. It's not always about the one that we're focused on. Oh, poor Joe. You know, he's got heart problems, whatever. So it's not about Joe. It's about that perimeter, that peripheral group of people that are around Joe, perhaps. We don't know that, but we always focus on that central character. What is God doing? What is my daughter is sick. Our daughter's going through a hard time. Why is God punishing her? Maybe God's trying to teach dad, mom, aunt, uncle, sister, brother, something through that. That's what we miss. So we have to love, we have to know the love of God, that no matter what he's doing, there's a greater purpose for it. And sometimes we have to realize that the, the, the infirmities that we're going through are a result of how we lived in the past. We forget about that. We forget about all those years that we abused our bodies, physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually. We forget about that because we're focused on the here and now. But I'm a good Christian. I'm a good Christian. Why would God put me through trials? Maybe he's putting you through trials because you are a good Christian. Maybe. Are you praying for that son, that daughter? That's what he wants from this situation. He wants us to grow closer. He wants us to surround the the person who are going through these affirmities, the person who are going through these things. Pray with them. Pray for them. And so we don't have to focus on this. Focus on this. 
Very important to understand that because that's what God is all about. And no matter what the plan is, no matter how difficult we think it is, he's doing something good through it. And even if he wants us to surround those people or that person who's having these issues, that's what we're supposed to do. Pray with them, pray for them, and just continue to encourage them no matter what. There's always, always, always hope. Always. So here Daniel got an instant answer to his prayer. And uh, we won't go into the 70 weeks, not now, as far as the details of it. But we'll just continue through and uh, finish this up and get into 10. Verse 25. Know therefore... And understand that from the going forth of the command to restore and build Jerusalem until Messiah, the prince, there shall be seven weeks and 62 weeks. The street shall be built again in the wall, even in troublesome times. And after the 62 weeks, Messiah shall be cut off, but not for himself and the people of the prince who is to come shall destroy the city and the sanctuary. The end of it shall be with a flood until the end of the war. Desolation are determined. War desolations are determined. Then he shall confirm a covenant with many up for one week, but in the middle of the week he shall bring an end to sacrifice and offering. And on the wing of abomination, abomination shall be one who makes desolate even until the consummation which is determined is poured out on the, ops, on the uh, desolate. And again, uh, it talks about the seven weeks, the 62 weeks, 70 weeks, and week one through seven. And it's, there's just so much here. And really, I really, what's on my heart is not to get into the details, but try and make a life application to what is happening in Daniel's life here. And as we start 10 then I think we'll have more clarity as to where this, uh, what this message uh, for us is about. So just to end that, so to understand just from that, that there was instantaneous answer to the prayer. And now as we go into 10, we're going to see what the Lord delayed it. Why? That's his will. Everything in his time. And it's so important that we understand that when it comes to everything, when it comes to prayer, when it comes to obedience, when it comes to just waiting on him. What does that mean? Does that mean I just sit idly by until he comes? No, it does not. No, rest, rest in the Lord. What does that mean? That means I just kick back in my recliner with my drink of choice and just wait for him. The answer is no, no. We just keep on being about our father's business. Never, ever, ever stops. Well, you know, brother, I, I really prayed for everything I can think of. Have you? Have you? Okay. If you have, first of all, I, it's going to be hard to convince. Not that you have to convince me. It's going to be hard to convince the Lord that you pray for everything that was on your heart. Have you prayed for everyone that was on your heart? Well, I pray for all of my friends. Well, for some of us, we don't have a lot of friends, but have you prayed for neighbors? Yeah, I pray for the guy across the street. No, not that neighbor. Everybody that you see, everybody in this room right now, as I look around, needs some prayer about something or someone. Everyone. No, no one excluded from that. Guaranteed. Now, have you prayed for them? Well, I prayed for them last week, but is the problem still there? And granted, we're doing that. We're praying for that daughter, that prodigal, that rebellious spirit in our homes, in our neighborhood or at work or wherever. Have you done that? Well, yeah, I pray for most of them, but all Neighbors, he didn't specify. And in addition to that, how's your health? Doing pretty good. 
Have we given the Lord praise and honor for that? Well, no, I mean, you know, it's okay. I don't think I have to do that. He knows. Yeah, he does. But does that mean we don't pray about it? And when I, years and years ago, when I used to involve in t- Sunday school, and the kids say, well, Mr. Williams, Mr. Richard, I re- there's nothing for me to pray about. I've already prayed about everything. So I asked them, have you prayed about your five senses? What do you mean? Can you hear? Yes. Can you smell? Yes. Can you see? Yes. Can you touch? Can you taste? Yeah. When was the last time you prayed about that? There are people somewhere, hospitals, rehab centers, who would love to have all those senses intact. We get up in the morning, we take it for granted. We get up in the morning and, wow, the knee actually bent today. Oh, that's kind of different. Did you pray for that? Did you praise God? Did you give him thanks for that? You know, and just so many things and and all the things that we take for granted. Go to a a place where people are going through these physical ailments and look at them. And they would love to be able to exchange those senses with you. Don't ever take it for granted, ever, because it didn't have to be. There were some of us who grew up healthy, and then later in life, stuff changed. All of a sudden, we're not so healthy anymore. Organs that work too fast, organs that work too slow, organs that don't work at all. To God be the glory, no matter what the situation is. And he doesn't think in terms of big and little. It's just not a a small matter. I, I just have migraines. Lord's not concerned about that. Yes, he is. He's concerned about everything from headaches to heartaches. And he wants to do what's best for us, all of us. So Daniel 10, verse 1. In the third year of Cyrus, king of Persia, a message was revealed to Daniel whose name was called Belshazzar. The message was true, but the appointed time was long And he understood the message and had understanding of the vision. This event is taking place about four years after the vision of the 70 weeks, which I referred to earlier. This this word to Daniel at this point suggests a new mode of communication. And we'll talk about that in a few minutes. Because if you're familiar with the book of Daniel, even right from the beginning, vision, image, image. a, a sighting that he didn't really understand. Things are going to be a little bit different now as we go along. A different mode of communication, a new mode of communication. The final fulfillment was in the distant future, not the immediate future. And that's what I was talking about when he's going to answer quickly. He'd answer quickly, and now he's not going to answer so quickly. So now these things are going to take time. The Lord is working it out. But the vision was made crystal clear to Daniel. And and there's a term that you'll see, uh, especially in uh, chapter 10, and the word is beryl, B-E-R-Y-L. And it's just really a liquid. And it's clear, it's translucent. And that's what they're referring to because that's what this is looking like now. And it's made crystal clear, and they use that as as a, a term of reference. Verse 2, in those days, I, Daniel, was mourning three, four weeks. Uh, I ate no pleasant food, no meat or wine came into my mouth, nor did I anoint myself at all till three whole weeks were fulfilled. And the cause of Daniel's mourning and heaviness of soul is apparently not for us to see. It was not specific, but as we go along, we know that in the first year, Cyrus had made a decree which permitted Israel to return to the land of Palestine. Two full years had passed, and only a few under Zerubbabel had returned, which was a grief to the heart of Daniel. Daniel had a heart for the people. In in, in, uh, verse 9, we talked about uh, a heart for God, a heart for the people, and that's how Daniel was described. And they described him as spirit-filled. And that's what I pray for all of us. Those here and those in pixel land, a, a spirit-filled person, 
no matter what the Lord is subjecting you to, to remain spirit-filled, to see the goodness in what he's doing. And that's difficult for us sometimes, a lot of the time. And again, we say, you know, Lord, why are you doing this to me? I'm, I'm a good person, whatever that means. I'm a good Christian. I'm a good, I'm a good, I'm a good. But his word sort of conflicts that. He says, there is none good. No, not one. That includes us. A good person. Define what a good person does or doesn't do. And then ask yourself if you qualify. It was two full years that had passed and only a few under Zerubbabel had returned, which was a grief to the heart of Daniel. Daniel was past the age of 90 at this point, And this was a rigorous time for him. Yet, he continued a lifelong practice of honoring God in everything. That's what I pray for us. Daniel was retired from active participation in office and gave himself entirely to the services of God. So he said, even though I've been set aside to just, you know, wait for the rest of my, wait my life out, I'm going to continue to serve. And that's what it talks about being about our father's business. You're never too old or too young to serve the Lord, ever. Daniel fasted for three weeks because he did not get an immediate answer to his prayer. That's not the approach we take. If we pray for something, subconsciously, we are still a time limit, most of us. And if nothing happens by that time, well, God never answered my prayer. Why do you say that? Well, I gave him three weeks and two days. And he didn't respond. So I'm taking that as a, well, depending on my question, yes, no. And, and wait is really not an answer. Not now is not an answer for us. So when he says that, I'm going to honor you. I'm going to heal you. I'm going to protect you. But I need you to wait. Why wait? Sooner is better. Okay, so now who's God? You or God? Be careful with that when it could be very dangerous. Now on the 20, verse 4, now on the 24th day of the first month, as I was by the side of the great river, that is the Tigris. This time is April 24th, and the location is the Tigris River. Now that's important uh, for several reasons, and, and again, it'll come out as we go. Verse 5, I lifted my eyes and looked, and behold, a certain man... Daniel was never able to say that before because he would say like a spirit, like this, like that. And now it's a certain man. Before it was a vision. It was an image. It was a dream. But now it's real. There's a certain man standing in front of Dave, uh, Daniel. Five, I've lifted my eyes and behold and look a certain man clothed in linen whose waist was girded with gold of euphos. His body was like beryl, which I mentioned earlier, clear uh, gem. His face like the appearance of lightning, his eyes like torches of fire, his arms and feet like burnished bronze in color, and the sound of the words like the voice of a multitude. Now that describes Jesus in several areas, or an angel, or the, the angel, in certain areas of the Bible. And as we go along, uh, we'll, we'll reference some of those people that, that experienced that. Earlier, I spoke of this new mode of communication. Uh, no longer did, uh, did, does Daniel see an image or vision of beasts or weeks, but he sees a certain man. This certain man was either God the Father or God the Son. How do you know that? We know that. Because this certain man is further identified by his person and his manner of dress. This description is similar to the vision of Christ after his ascension into glory as seen by John in the book of Revelation. 
where he saw this. He saw this image. He saw Christ being ascended. And this is, this is basically the same way he was described. Number seven. And I, Dan- verse seven, excuse me. And I, Daniel, alone saw the vision. For the men who were with me did not see the vision, but, it, but a great terror fell upon them, and they fled to hide themselves. Although others were with Daniel, he alone saw the vision. And the Lord would do that to you. He would give you a specific vision in a crowd. And there are some who are going to fear. There are some who are going to fear because of they know that they're living outside of the will of God. They know that, uh, at least they think that as a result of not honoring God in everything, that he's going to punish them. Not true. He reigns on the just and the unjust. That's what the word says. Although others with them, they didn't see him because they were not in tune. How do you recognize a voice that you're not familiar with? We're all familiar with a certain voice. If we're, if we're in a crowd on the street, somebody that we knew we were very close to called us, we recognize that voice. And if you don't recognize that voice, that means you don't have a personal relationship with that person. That's all it means. If you've got a personal relationship with them, you're going to recognize immediately those people that you spend time with. And we spend time in the word. That voice is going to become audible. That presence of heart is going to become part of us. We're going to just continue to draw him in, draw him in. And as a result of drawing him in, he draws us in. He honors those who honor him. And that's what we're going to see. We're going to see that he loves us unconditionally. And from a human standpoint, that's very difficult. Very difficult because we think that I'm not worthy. And you're right, you're not. But that's not the point. The point is, he's going to continue to love you through everything. Through everything. And, and we've heard, we heard this, we've been hearing it for weeks and we heard it this morning. He loves you. His love is unconditional. But how could a, a, a God continue to love a, someone like me? Because God is love. Period. He's love. That's what he does best. He loves and love covers a multitude of sin. The things that we do that we think, okay, I lost my religion. No, he doesn't think that way. He rescinded my salvation. No, he did not. He will not. He's punishing me. He chastens you. He's tempting me. No, he tests you. Doesn't tempt you. Doesn't punish you. He allows us to live out the things that we've done that are causing these things to happen to us. Does not tempt. Does not punish. Well, it says these chastens. There's a difference between chastens and punish. But he, he has tempted me. No, he has tested you, but he has not tempted you. God does not tempt there's a difference. So if you don't understand the difference, you can dig in. You'll find, you'll see the difference. Oh, now I understand. I thought he was tempting me by putting this in front of me. No. No. Testing. Are you going to be obedient? Are you going to do the right thing? Are you going to make a good decision? Yes or no. And that's where we are. And it's a tough situation to be in. Verse 7, uh, I read it, but I, I just want to keep emphasizing that you can be among your peers and God could be working on you individually. And we've seen it. Uh, Paul uh, saw on the, on the way to, uh, on the road to, to being changed. And that's what the Lord does for us. And uh, therefore, uh, I just want to make uh, a reference to some of the men uh, that, that, uh, that were left alone. Like We sometimes feel like we're left alone. You're never alone. 
If you think you are, then I'm just going to just give you one verse to ponder. I will never leave you nor forsake you. That's what he says. And if you doubt whether that's true, then I, I will give you another verse to attest to that. God cannot lie. He can't. He can't lie. So if he says, I will never leave you nor forsake you, he's with you until the end of time. And that's a fact. Being alone was quite an experience for, the, for this man of God. Many had followed uh, joyfully and eagerly, sometimes not so much as well. Abraham left Ur. And finally, his kindred, Abraham, left, was left alone. Seemingly, Moses was sent to the backside of the desert of Midian. Seemed like he was alone, but he wasn't. He was not alone. Elijah was disciplined by the brook Cherith, by the brook Cherith. Never alone. Jeremiah walked a lonely, lonely, lonely path, thinking that he was alone, but he wasn't. John the Baptist spent some time in the desert, never alone. God was with him. Paul had two years of solitary confinement in the same desert, never alone, never by himself, never lonely. The apostle John was exiled in the lonely isle of Patmos. Was the Apostle Paul alone? And, and finally, I, I, not finally for the message, but I just thought about Jesus' time on the cross. But I don't want to put him in the same category as these men. His time on the cross. Separated from his father. Different situation, but being alone and how we react when we're alone. How do you react when you're alone? Do you ever really believe that you're alone? Do you ever get to the point where you don't think God is with you? My God, my God, why has thou forsaken me? Do you really think that he would forsake you? If you don't, if you do rather, then you don't know his heart. Do you think that he would leave you to your own device? If you do believe that, then you don't know our Father's heart. And then when we say things like, but God, you don't really know what it's like to be despised and rejected. Oh, wait, no, no, that's not true. Yeah, despised and rejected. So why does he subject us to these things? Whatever he's doing in your life, no matter what type of ache, Situation, circumstances, it is. He's preparing you for something better. Better. Well, I, I just can't see it. No, you can't. No, you can't. He doesn't always reveal his will to us. He doesn't always tell us what he's doing. He doesn't always say, this is what I'm doing and it's for your good or the good of someone else. He doesn't always do that, nor does he have to. Do you trust me? Feed my sheep. Do you trust me? Feed my lamb. Do you trust him? And the last time uh, that I got to, to stand here before the, the, the uh, congregation, uh, I, I mentioned the fact that um, there was a, a saying that, that I heard that I, I really liked a lot, so I use it. And it talks about our lives are not always a case of do and don't. It's usually a case of will and won't. I can honor you. I can serve you. I can do all things, but I don't want to. I don't want to. It, it takes away uh, so many things that I enjoy. It says that I shouldn't do this. I shouldn't go there. But all of my friends do this. And although I'm over 50 years old, everybody's doing it, so I want to do it too. 
just like we did when we were in high school. So we need to get to the point where we trust him. And it's not about being like others. Other verses, do not conform to the world, but be transformed by, the power, power, by his power, I say. And that's what we want to do. We want to fit in. Saying, no, Daniel, Daniel had no desire to fit in. He's 90, over 90 years old. He's still serving fervently. He's still praying. He's still honoring the Lord in everything. Can we say that? Can all of us say that? Some of us can. Some of us shouldn't because it's not true. Are you honoring the Lord with your very life right here, right now? A question we all have to ask ourselves and be honest. Sometimes, well, that's a definite no. Do you love the Lord? Well, you know, we're okay. We're okay. I I like him. That's a definite no. I don't love you. Will you surrender all to Jesus? Well, most everything. That's a definite no. I will not. Have you asked him how you can best serve him? And being honest about it and being prayerful about it. Have you asked that? And he doesn't care about those Disability, those limiting factors. He doesn't because he knows that we've all got a potential to serve him in some way. What, what works for you may not work for me. He wants us to serve him. He wants us to be about his business every day, every hour, every minute, every second. Well, brother, that's, that's impossible because I got a family i got places I have to go, things I have to do. So, you know, I'll pray, you know, for 16 minutes in the morning, but then i, I got to be on my way. So really what it comes down to is priority. What's your priority? How many hours a day has the Lord given you? 24, perhaps? So when you say you don't have time to pray, when you don't have time to do this, um, what are you saying? And again, uh, Romans 8, there is now therefore no condemnation. But these are the questions that we have to ask ourselves. This is personal, not part of the message, but just something that was on my heart Uh, a week or so ago. uh, Quite a few people dropped in. Because their church was closed for the holiday. And I'm still pondering that. How how does that work? Our church is closed for the holiday. Help me with that. Because I'm thinking, if if this isn't a priority... What's better than that? But that's just me because I'm, I'm, I'm a Christian and I got a servant's heart and there's nothing I can do about it. So I, so I sort of have to live this way, think that way. What is priority? And I also know and I have proof that if you worship anything else above our Lord and Savior, he can take it away. In the word, those, they may be referred to as idols. I don't care, folks. I don't care what it is. But brother, it says that, you know, you got to worship your family above all. Show me where it says that. Family's important. Don't misunderstand. I will have no other God before me. And, and that was the reason why I sort of went on a tangent about that because he started pointing out some things that we don't perceive as idols. And I thought of myself, you know, I like toys. You know, and as long as I give him a couple of toys out of my tar- toy box, everything should be okay. And he says, no, brother, because right now you're putting all these things before me. 
and I will show you. And when I say no matter what it is, I mean literally no matter what it is. It can be physical, actual body. It can be a family. It can be house. It can be car. It can be airplane. It can motorcycle. Any of that stuff. Whatever it is that you're putting above him, he can take it away. So we need to honor him and then be patient. Be very patient with what he's calling us to do because it's so easy to get lost. It's so easy to give in to the world around us. Been guilty of that. I am guilty of that. Still, I'm learning every single day. I re- things I take for granted. There's certain things that I still like that are not necessarily in my best interest. And as I look around, I'm willing to say that some of us are probably in the same situation. Verse 9. Yet I heard the sound of his... Uh, Daniel 10, chapter 10, verse 9. Yet I heard the sound of his words, and while I heard the sound of his words, I was in a deep sleep on my face, and my face to the ground. We've heard before about someone in a deep sleep, his face to the ground. And that's what he'll do. Verse 10, suddenly a hand touched me with made me tremble on my knees and the palms of my hands. A hand touched me. Now this is that certain man that's touching him. So it's, it's, uh, it can be fearful. Made me tremble on my knees and in the palms of my hands. So he's, he's prone. He's on the ground. On his knees and the palms of his hand and he's trembling. And this old man, this man said, and he said to me, Oh, Daniel, man greatly beloved, understand the words that I speak to you and stand upright. For I have now been sent to you. While he was speaking this word to me, I stood trembling, continued to tremble. Then he said to me, do not fear. Why would God say do not fear? Because we are fearful. That's the only reason he would say it. Do not fear, Daniel. For from the first day that you set your heart to understand and to humble yourself before your God, your words were heard. And I have come because of your words. That's what he'll do for us. My friends, anytime we're reading about any of these accounts, God says he's not a respecter of person. So when we see him doing something in Daniel's life, when we see him doing something in Paul's life, when we see him doing something in any one in the, in the book, when we see them doing something in his life or her life, since he's not a respecter person, what he's done for them, he'll do for you. Is anything too hard for God? The limiting factor is here and here. That's it. He's not limited at all. Nothing's too hard for God. The answer is no, nothing's too hard for God. But we got to get over that mindset that we don't think God cares about that thing. Yes, he cares. Otherwise, he wouldn't care if we had idols. But he does because he knows that once we start to to develop these idols, it's a downhill slide. Because we worship things that can't see. We worship things that can't hear. We worship things that can't speak. We worship things that don't have a heart. We worship things that are not able to love us with a God-pay type love. Yet, we continue to worship those things. That's what he wants to draw us away from. And the only way that he's going to be able to penetrate your heart and my heart is by digging into his word. That's it. There's no other way. We don't develop a personal relationship with the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ through osmosis. Well, my mom was a Christian, so I'm good. No, you're not. Well, my dad's a pastor, so you know, my ticket's punch. Eh, I wouldn't rely on that if I were you. 
It requires a personal relationship with Jesus. Personal. He has no, no stepchildren. Has no foster kids. He doesn't have any BFFs. Not individually. He loves you. And he wants you to love him. And that's really what, that's what it's all about. Loving him. Because he's going to love you. Even if you don't. Verse 13, but the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me 21 days, and behold, Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me, help me, for I had been left alone there with the kings of Persia. Left alone. And God, this, this certain man is saying, now I have made, now I have come to make you understand what will happen to your people in the latter days, for the vision refers to many days yet to come. Uh, Daniel I'm going to heal your land, but it's going to take a while. Are you going to be able to withstand? And he says, Lord, if if, uh, you're on my side, yes, the answer is yes. If you're not, I'm not going to be able to withstand. Because he's he's got a, a pledge of allegiance to these kings. And if some of us know about this and other accounts of Nebuchadnezzar, we know what happened there. You know, they get to the point where you either bow to me or his will roll. And that's where Daniel is right now. He knows that it's going to be a defi- very difficult path for him to, to stay with. Uh, verse 15, when they had spoken such words to me, I turned my face toward the ground and became speechless. Daniel was a man, a person of many words. And now... He's trembling and speechless. Now, to me, the, the verse that pops into my head is the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So Daniel's learning that the Lord wants him to hear. The Lord wants him to understand. And the Lord is imputing wisdom into Daniel right now. As I said, Whatever he's doing for Daniel in this account, he's doing the same thing for you. If he's saying, I want you to stop globetrotting and I want you to sit still. Well, Lord, I can't. I'm just, I'm, I'm just a wanderer. Okay, we can fix that. So you're not a wanderer so much. Uh, you may not like it, but he will do that. And I, I have personal testimony of him doing that. Lord, I got to move. I got to roam. I got to wander. All right. How's a little uh, sciatic nerve work for you there, buddy? <laughs> Lord, I'm, I'm really not liking this at all. Yeah. Okay. But you said you couldn't be still. And he's done other things with friends of mine. He's done things to limit their mode of transportation. Um, I, one personal thing is I, uh, I knew this lady, one of the more intelligent people that I've met in my life. Border on brilliant. And she, I'm not sure the difference between dementia and I can't even think of the other one. What is it? Alzheimer's. Alzheimer. Thank you. I don't know the difference between the two, but she ended up with that, and it got to the point where she didn't even recognize her husband. She didn't recognize relatives when they walked in the house. And to get to witness that, it just breaks your heart because the Lord can do that. The Lord, But her idol, in a sense, was her intelligence. And that's when I say, it doesn't really matter what it is, what your strength is, Samson. It might work against you. So that's, that's my caution. And, and just to know that we have people among us who are going through some minor afflictions even as we speak. And they may not understand, why is the Lord doing this to a good person like me? I deserve better. According to you? Anything. 
Verse 16, and suddenly one having the likeness of the sons of men touched my lips. Then I opened my mouth and spoke, saying to him who stood before me, my Lord, because of the vision, my sorrows have overwhelmed me and I have retained no strength. Have you ever been so sick? And uh, and I I remember going through, thank God, I I was never affected by the COVID era. And seeing friends, family who were just flatlining, literally. Or even the flu. No strength. Everything's gone. And all my worldly possessions, all their worldly possessions meant nothing. So he just showed us that these things that we idolize, you can just take them away. Now you're going through this this calamity and all the stuff that we thought was important it's not so important anymore idols verse 17 for how can this servant of my lord talk with you my lord as for me no strength remain in me now nor is any breath left in me those are dire straits no strength no breath. What do you got? And I've seen just people among us who come back from the brinks. People who there's no hope. Doctors, doctor, one guy I know, he says, um, he went in and the doctor told him he had six months to live. So he looked at the bill and said, doctor, it's going to take nine months to pay this off. The doctor said, okay, you got nine months to live. <laughs> but I'm pumped. I got a million of them, folks. Uh, 18. Then again, the one having the likeness of a man touched me and strengthened me. And he said, oh man, greatly beloved, fear not. Peace be to you. Be strong. Yes, be strong. So when he spoke to me, I was strengthened and said, let my Lord speak, for you have strengthened me. And he will do that. He has done that. He continues to do that. He continues to strengthen you. So friends, no matter what it is you're going through, doesn't matter how severe, how drastic, how tragic. He can work it out, and he will work it out. But, but, he honors those who honor him. He will let you have your way. He will let you do the things that are or not good for you. He will allow that. He will let you go your way and do the things you want to do. But, here's the thing. Be prepared for the consequences. Every area of sin has consequences. No exception. We, you, me, are prone to wander. We say we're dedicated to the cause. We say that we're anchored to the rock. And sometimes our lives prove differently. Are we? Again, we can't afford to be a judge, but we can afford to be fruit fruit inspectors. So when somebody says, yeah, well, you know, I live right. I do the right things. We're in no position to question it. Look for the fruit. And think about that when, when we're encouraging, ministering one another, the fact that There's chinks in our armor. There's flaws in us. Verse 20. Then he said, do you know why I have come to you? And now I must return to fight with the princes of Persia. And when I have gone forth, indeed, the prince of Greece will come. 21. But I will tell you what is noted in the scripture of truth. No one upholds me against these except Michael, your prince. Scripture of truth. What does that mean to us? 
scripture of truth. He says, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. Do you believe that with your very heart? Ask yourself that. Look in the mirror. Look in the mirror at that person and ask yourself, do you believe with your very heart, with a pure heart, that he is the way, he is the truth, he is the life? And I'm not talking about lip service. I'm asking you to make the 18-inch connection from here to here. I'm asking you to do that in your own life. Ask yourself, do I really believe that? And if your answer is not a definite yes, then your answer is a definite no. We must, must, must. And I'm saying you have to. I'm going to say you must trust him in everything. That situation you're going through, that, that prodigal child, that rebellious spirit, inside or outside your home, he's working it out. And again, it may, the focal, focal point may not be that prodigal son, that prodigal daughter. May not be that rebellious son or daughter. It may be you. Well, I'm doing the right things. What's the Lord showing you? Ask him, Lord, what do you what do you want me to get out of this situation? What do you want me to see? Do you want me to draw closer to my friends, my family as a result of these minor afflictions? And if your answer is yes, then that's what you do. You make that a priority. Said this last time. Someone walks up to you and say, brother, can you pray for me? Well, you know, I'm in a hurry. Uh, I don't want dinner to get cold, so I'll pray for you tomorrow. If the Lord wanted you to pray for them tomorrow, he would ask you tomorrow. To every person that you get to pray with, pray with them. And I don't always honor that. Last week, I mentioned that, and the lady says, can you pray with me? i got to pick up my granddaughter in like 15 minutes. Well, that blows that theory right away. She didn't say that, thank God, but that was the case. All I'm saying to us, no exceptions. Pray, pray, pray. Repeat. Never stop praying. Pray without ceasing. There are people in this room, and I won't say I pray for all of you. I pray for every single day. Because we've talked. We have a personal relationship. I know what's going on in your life. I know what's going on around you for the most part. So I pray for you. I will continue to pray for you. I will never stop praying for you. Because you're on this planet you're on this earth and it's turning and turning and turning it's not for the better so there's we've seen a lot but wait there's more it's coming folks so we need to be prepared we need to be prepared we need to be able to discern have wisdom and discernment about what the Lord wants from us right now We're not guaranteed anything. And when I think of things like, if I don't come back, nobody's going to survive. I take that very seriously. And I pray that you do too. And it doesn't mean that we're defeated. It doesn't mean that we're hopeless. It doesn't mean that we lay down and roll over. It's just that we need to be ready. And the question is, are you ready? Are you ready for the Lord? Soon and very soon, we are going to see the king. Are you ready? Heavenly Father, we just thank you for this time that you set aside just for us. I thank you for my friends. I thank you for their willingness to come out and just see what you have to say, Father. And I just pray that if I've said even one word that had discouraged my sister or my brother, I pray that you would just erase it from my minds right now. 
And I pray also, Father, if there was any words of encouragement through the Holy Spirit, that you would just uh, let them know, Father, that you love us. There is no love like the love of our Father. And I just pray, Father, that we would never become discouraged, that we would always be ready to, um, as it says in Jude, contend for the faith. Continue that good fight, Father. And I'm just so grateful, Father, that, uh, that the hearts and ears were open to receive what you have for us. And I thank you for what you've done in me already. And I just pray for more of you, Father. May you continue to increase as we continue to decrease, Father. We pray for that spirit, Father, that it would just uh, overwhelm us in every way. And I pray for the ones who are dealing with minor afflictions now, Father. Backaches, headaches, heartaches, um, just so many other things, Father. Even things that are even more fleshly-wise, more serious than that. I just pray for that, Father. And I do pray for a healing, if it be your will, for my sisters and my brothers here tonight, Father. And that you would continue to bless them and let them know how much you love them. And that they would grow in it. In the name of Jesus, our soon returning King, we pray. Amen. Amen and amen. God bless you guys. Thanks for coming out.